Welcome to Rainer's Radio, practical training for joint heirs with Christ, with your host, Diane Thomas. Good evening, and welcome to Rainer's Radio. This is Diane Thomas, your host, and as usual, let's just take a moment and relax. Anything else that's going on, just let it fall by the wayside. And just remember that where you are is exactly where God wants you to be and that you know in your spirit who you truly are. You know where that is and what it's for and the purpose. And when it comes down to it, whatever your circumstances, whatever the consequences of your actions have been, wherever you are in your own timeline, on your own pathway, it is for you, for your benefit. So often, I think both as people living here on this earth and and Christians, we try to arrange circumstances to fit our view of what a good person and a good Christian looks like. We ha- we kind of idolize what a Christian is. You know, a Christian is, you know, never swears, is, you know, has certain behaviors towards one another, tithes, uh, you know, um, is always kind, never angry, whatever your particular view of being a Christian is. Attends church, you know, X number of times a week or a month or whatever, reads their Bible, has a certain language, And none of that is really a reflection of what God's purpose is in any of us. That doesn't mean that it's, you know, a a detractor, because we're in process. You're here on this earth for such a time as this, not in relationship to how you can affect the world around you, but because he's placed you here in this time and place for you to learn something specific. And I don't mean learn with your mind, with your understanding, but to learn by experience. We all have doctrines. We all have beliefs. What most of our beliefs and doctrines have never truly been tested by reality. Most people alive on this earth, not all of them, but a lot, a lot of people, have led pretty good lives, relatively speaking, relative to pre-civilization, pre-government, uh, when, when you know, it was survival of the fittest on a 
day-to-day and sometimes moment-by-moment basis. You and I have it pretty good. But that's God's choice to put us here now. I'm not even sure it's necessary or God's desire that we understand why. I have a feeling that if we understood God's specific purpose for the circumstances that he has us in, that we would try to help. That we would understand and manage it, you know, uh, hurry it up or put our own stamp on it, our own understanding, our own interpretation of things that are happening. When God is instead drawing our soul out of its reliance on its own strength and into reunion with our spirit. And then we'll we'll eventually get to talking about our body. I'm I'm in the process of of thinking about some things and, and getting some insights hopefully into how what effect our body has on our soul. I think it's going to be more in line with responsibility rather than reflection, rather than something that is a determinative factor. So many, and we've talked about this before, so many of the behaviors that people focus on as far as determining what sin is are simply behaviors. So many of those are in, are done by the body. Physical actions that we say eliminates us from relationship with God for eternity. And I don't think that's the way it works. I don't think that that's as crucial to God as we make it out to be. Then I also think we still don't, including myself, have a great understanding about what spirit is, about who God is, what God is, who we are, who, who, what is spirit. And I think that comes back to we don't even know what soul is. Supernatural. We, we've been, if you look through the history of church, of, of you know, the church, Christian church, there, there's cycles where spirituality and the supernatural and the devil and, and aestheticism, aestheticism and all different kinds of doctrines come and go. And I think they, there's, there's, you know, like five things, and you keep running through those in, in some churches, and they're not necessarily the same thing, but it makes you wonder what's the purpose of, of going through those same five things over and over again. And it may take five years to do that. And in a lot of, a lot of times, it's just to maintain the existence of that church. Because the existence of that church, that ministry, 
supports the existence of those serving in the church, pastor and associate pastor and the choir director and anybody else. It's like a self-sustaining business. Somebody's livelihood is dependent on it, so we're going to keep doing it. And we will continue a bad habit as long as it works. There's the whole idea of being a Christian versus being religious. And grappling with that relationship that we have with God, that God is alive and real and present, and that he is working in us and through us and around us, and he loves us unconditionally, he accepts us unconditionally, he approves of us unconditionally, and he's leading and guiding and directing us unconditionally. And the um, the other side of that is we have to be good. We have to mean, we can't be angry, we can't behave in certain ways and speak certain things and look at certain things. And as we approach an understanding that, and really that understanding starts with we don't know more than we know. There's so much more that we don't know. So we hold on to what we think we know. Because our soul has built its life on consensus. And that consensus, let's say it's in a particular denomination or a family. And because God has made us each uh, unique, we have, we will gravitate, we will lean towards a certain belief or group that accommodates our particular temperament, our strengths and weaknesses, which may not necessarily reflect how we grew up, which then we're called the black sheep or a backslider. And yet each one of us is on the exact path God intends for us. And when we remind ourselves that that it is God who draws us, it's the goodness of God that draws us to him. One of our challenges is to let him do that. When we think of what it means to be a Christian, in modern times, in a, in a lot of ways, it's just a lot of work. It's a lot of busyness. It's evangelism. It's it's reaching out. It's serving one another. It's reading your Bible, Bible studies. You know, going to choir, all different kinds of showing up where other people can see you, doing things rather than 
just God and letting him reveal himself and letting him reveal yourself and just being with him. And our soul has just become so busy. So God very often puts us in a situation where we can't be. He lets us come to the end of our own strength so that we can turn and be with him, see him, share share with him. Now, we don't have to wait for our whole existence to crumble. That's part of our challenge here is to to be encouraged to seek him while he may be found. And where will he be found? Wherever we seek him. Because he is everywhere and he is always. If you seek him now, you will find him. If you seek him tomorrow, you will find him. He's drawing us, but it's more towards him and away from the strengths of our soul, the the bad habits that our soul has developed, rather than for a purpose. Because we remind ourselves God's purpose for us is that we become one, spirit, soul, and body in him. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need anyone to accomplish his purpose here on this earth or on Mars or, you know, in the the next universe over, the next galaxy to be created. He already knows what he's doing with, with absolutely every little cell, every speck of dust. And what's fun is, You do too. Your spirit does. I think God gets most excited when he shares what he's doing. And he longs for you and I to become, for enough of our soul to become united, reunited with our spirit, that he can trust us enough with what his intent is. What, what he's doing. Again, we're yoked with him. Not to be in front of or behind, but to be with him while we work together. And yet here's with, you know, this little, little colt running around, you know, doing everything to avoid being brought into union with the soul with spirit. And so our spirit draws our soul and our soul responds and yet there's interference. There's entanglements that your soul has made, not just yourself, but you've inherited entanglements, your family has entanglements, Your culture has entanglements, your country, your government, your finances, your health, your relationships. There's all these entanglements of your soul. 
and God put them there. God intended for you to be entangled in the very things that you're entangled with. Why? There's something we learn through going through the process of becoming disentangled. And we can talk about the generalities because, again, each one of us has our own circumstance that we're in. But your soul, again, wants both control and freedom. even as your soul wants to return to its union with your spirit. So your soul is kind of confused. And we can just trust that that God knows through the drawing how to entice our soul to come home, to take one step, then another, Develop that trust and release the things. Let go of the things. Not, not see them as evil. Not see people as evil or the things that God is doing. You know, our, even our enemies, they're not evil. In, in the sense that God condemns them, God created them. God created evil. God created your enemies. So you and I could overcome them. So there's this constant push and pull of our soul in everyday situations that we value. Because it is those those are the testings. That's where we're being refined in the the threshing floor and so many examples we can look at from the scriptures. But really let God do that. Let God give you the example that means something to you. I like the example of God's tearing down our walls just as fast as we're rebuilding them because our soul is desperate to maintain control and doesn't recognize unconditional love. Your soul's just doing the best it can. So we have these everyday situations that there's, you know, somebody says something that makes us angry, and we think, okay, well, that's not very Christ-like of me to be angry. So we shame ourselves. And that strengthens the power of our soul over our spirit. And, and over time, instead, we go, okay, I got angry. And we go on to the next thing. And if God wants to change that, he'll, we'll have a discussion, and he can change it. And then the next time something like that happens, we go, oh, mm, I didn't get angry that time. His ways are not our ways. He does things in a totally different way. And the entanglements of our soul 
are the very thing that we're being pulled with and pushed with and and twisted around with while God pulls us and draws us and entices us. He wants us to want him voluntarily. And your soul does. Your soul wants to return to its relationship with spirit. But it's also afraid and wounded and believes lies. It's been tricked and fooled and has its own ways of doing things now and doesn't want to give them up. It's stubborn. Now, these are all characteristics of your soul that God likes. He values those aspects of your soul. The problem is, is they're built on lies. They're built on the idea that God's standards are so high we will never meet them, that we're failures, that we'll never be loved, that we'll never have things under control. You know, you, you, I'm sure you have your own lives, whatever they are. But those are our reality. And that's what our soul grapples with, stands on as a foundation, rather than the reality of who God is and how much he loves us and what our spirit is. And it's simply a matter of experience. You cannot fix what you believe. You cannot fix what the situation you're in. Now you can get out of it. We can only learn that God values that we can only learn going through difficult times. And it's not that some people are are better or worse because they go through more or less tough circumstances. Whatever he's chosen for you at any given time, that's sufficient for his purpose for you. We could even say that, let's say God wants to get you to step 10 while you're here on this earth, step 10 out of 100. And somebody else he wants to get to step step. 26. Now, Jesus made it all the way to 100, but that's been the only person. Maybe somebody else gets to 75. Let's say Paul. But you're only here for a certain amount of time on this earth. This is another reason I'm, I'm intrigued about what comes next. Because he doesn't treat us all equally. We're not all equal or the same in his eyes. In this body, with your soul. Now, in your spirit, you're in him. So he doesn't really even count you. He doesn't even, okay, this one is this one and that one is that one. No, we're all in him. 
So there is no comparisons. There's no respect for persons. This person's more anointed than that. That's not God. It's like your spirit's in him. That's that's that. It's the end and the beginning and the middle of the whole story. It's you and I that want to look at how we're doing compared to others, where we're at, how much do we have to achieve to be as good as this person or overcome our own past? How does this person think about us? What do I need to do to, do to fix that? Those are all things that are part of our soul. Now, I don't know if in my lifetime, your time, your lifetime, we're going to see God restore someone's soul and body to their spirit to the degree that we see the Christ walking around, whether in, in, in an individual or in a corporate body. I don't know. I don't think so. I could be wrong. God can do what he wants. But what we look back over time is that he reveals and then he tests and then he teaches. And I think that's an interesting, he doesn't teach and then reveal and then test. He reveals first. He gives us an idea to shake up who he is. And then he tests. He says, is, do you think this is me? Do you want to try it? You know, Peter getting out of the boat. Try it. He says, here, this is what it looks like to walk on the water. This is who I am. I have power over the elements. I can walk on water. And he, let's test this. So can you. Come. Come to me. And he did. Then he looked down. Jesus wasn't angry. He said, let's get into the boat. He pulls him out of the water, gets him in the boat. Then he teaches. But you and I, that's part of the problem with doctrine, is we want to understand. It's part of the strength of our soul. That again, we're not tearing it down. It's, It's God's gift to us. But not without being united to our spirit. And I can't imagine what our mind, will, and emotions, what our soul would be like united with our spirit. Think of the eternal life that Jesus is walking around with. The union he had with his Father and the power and abilities and the authority that he had flowing through his soul and body while he walked here on this earth he could raise the dead he brought down a whole you know doctrinal system he changed the world he revealed the father and then he was the lamb slain for the sins of the world And I think of how his father led him to that point and and revealed in a variety of different ways, revealed to 
to his son what he was going to have to go through. Now, I think Jesus knew before he came, before he became a little baby, came into this existence, he knew his father had already asked him, and he had agreed, this is what, I, what needs to be done. And he came in the form of a little baby and then had to learn how to be a human. He lost that information about what, was going, what his task was here on this earth. Just as he lost that oneness with his father, but because he did not have a soul that was separate from his spirit, his spirit could teach his soul as he grew. So just as, as, as a little baby, he learned you know, how to roll over and then, then crawl and then pull himself up and then walk. There were different stages in the physical. His spirit was intact and could take his soul through those same processes, the same growth patterns. And then finally explain to him, this is what is required of you to fulfill the pathway and the project that I have for you here on this earth. And I, I um, wonder sometimes what it was like, you know, think about the father, what he went through, in order to achieve what they had agreed was necessary to achieve their purpose. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, however however we we see that. But they were all willing to do whatever was necessary for that state, step that that stage. So you and I we are we are so little understanding the best most profitable thing we can do, God reveal that to us. Just be still and know he's God and he knows what he has for you and it's good and he loves you. And for each moment of our time here on this earth, there's so much more going on than we understand and God is conforming you. He is drawing your soul, whether you feel it or feel it or not, or know it. But the more you can rest and even take note of seeing the changes he's doing in you, not so you can attend to it or give it attention, but so you can enjoy it. <clears throat> so we will be getting back together again the same time next week. Feel free to drop me a line at dianeattherainersclub.org or through Blog Talk Radio. Until then, this has been Diane Thomas of Rainers Radio. Have a great night.